0: Hello and welcome to Stories, The True and The Fictional, a podcast that dives into the stories of people's lives, everyday people like you and me, or even famous people throughout history. But we want to get you, the listener, involved as well. So if you have stories, things that have happened to you, amazing things, hilarious things, random things, whatever it may be, send your stories to thetrueandthefictional at gmail.com. So until then, we're going to dive into some of the interesting true stories from modern history and beyond. So strap in, it's story time. Hey guys, welcome to the show. We have an exciting guest for you today. Um, It's our first one in the podcast so far. His name is Steve Jager. He is a historian, bit of an actor, I've heard. He's in one of my favorite Australian films, um, The Legend of Ben Hall. Um. So, uh, yeah, Steve, how are you? Thanks for coming on the show. Good,
1: thanks for having me.
0: Um. So, straight off the bat, because I'm so jealous that you got to be in Ben Hall, and I only found out about it after it got made. Um. But, yeah. like, uh, what, what was that like? Because I hear that you, want, you just wanted to be a consultant, and then they gave you a role.
1: Yeah, so uh, at the time, I was helping to administrate a website called the Ned Kelly Forum, and one of our followers had shared the Kickstarter campaign, the legend of Ben Hall on our website. So I approached the director and asked him, uh, firstly, if the film was going to be historically accurate. And once Matthew said that, or Matthew Holmes, the director said that yes, he was hoping to make the film historically accurate. Uh, I then offered my services to help him with props and uh, whatever else is needed to make this film a reality. So that's where it all began.
0: Nice. Um, Yeah. Super jealous. Um, So (laughs) Ryan, do you want to go with the next one? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, well, yeah, basically wanted to know, obviously um, me and Jamie are both massive film buffs, especially Australian films. Um, If I hear a film is Australian, I don't even care what it's about. I'm going to sit down and give it a go. Um, Do you have any stories to share from the set or while you were consulting on the film?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Well, there, there were actually some scenes that I'd shot that didn't actually make the final cut. As you know, the film was supposed to go for a good three hours plus, yeah. uh, but unfortunately, due to cinema release, we had to cut it down to the version that we have now. Um, the final scenes where we, where we, as in all the troopers, were running out of the bush to ambush Ben Hall as he was being chased by Davidson, Condell and Billy Dargan, uh, we all came running out of the bush, jumping over logs, launching ourselves up in the air, <laughs> sliding across the ground. So it was this huge, giant action sequence uh, that played out and there's so much more filming done around those final scenes that just never uh, made it to the final cut. But that was that was really fun to work on because we were we, all we, Although we're all adults, we were all acting like kids in our element. Yeah, of running through the bush, dressing up, playing with, oh, you wow. know, the prop weaponry. And uh, that really was like a step back in time too. So it was an absolutely unbelievable experience. So I would not wait amazing. to do it
0: again. Yeah, and, and unfortunately you were on the wrong side, weren't you, when, when it came to... Yeah, well,
1: when Matthew, <laughs> when Matthew uh, offered the roles or... He, um he actually asked me to apply for the role so I went through the whole process uh of creating a show reel sending it to the director going through the auditions with all these other Australian uh upcoming actors and whatnot and was fortunate enough to be chosen as uh or to portray New South Wales Police Constable uh, Bowen
0: yeah um Fantastic. Yeah. So super jealous. And I'm, I'm, I drove three hours to see that movie. Like, because I had a wedding on the on the proper um, uh, premiere.
1: Yeah. Was, was that like, at we-
0: Forbes? Yeah. So I couldn't make that. I was like, oh, I've got to go. And then, oh, no. And then I ended up driving to Bathurst. So, like, two and a half hours.
1: Oh, wow. I got Still to in Matthew. Ben Hall country. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet Matthew and um, Jamie Coffer and, um, drawing a blank who played Ben Hall again Jack Martin
1: yeah Jack Martin yeah
0: got. To, I got to meet them all and um yeah got to do the Q&A so it was, that was absolutely amazing and
1: fantastic
0: um that was great so what do you say we move on to our favorite topic uh, Ned Kelly
1: yeah always now, a favorite subject
0: every I can talk, talk for him for hours um everybody knows the name um so, but not everyone knows what he actually did that sort of thing. So would you just give us a kind of like an introduction for people that have only heard the name, kind of who he was? Uh, and
1: he did. Yeah, Nick Kelly um, grew up in the northeast of Victoria. He was known as a larrikin, a very popular figure. Uh, lots of friends. Um, unfortunately, his father passed away when he was 11 and a half, which made him the man of the house. Now, this was in the 1860s, so uh, very tough time. Melbourne had only been uh, discovered and settled as a city only 30 to 40 years previous. So uh, it was still, the the country and the colony was still in those developmental stages. Um, During those times, a lot of people, so not just the Galley uh, family, but a lot of people uh, were known to help themselves to certain things such as uh, cattle to help feed the family. This in turn uh, led Ned Kelly to working with another famous bush ranger named Harry Power to help uh, put money in the family pocket and to help provide for the family. Uh, This was in 1870. Harry Power had just recently broken out of Pentridge Prison, uh, met up with a young Ned Kelly and hired him to hold his horses. Now, uh, after Harry was captured, um, Ned Actually faced trial and was acquitted of being an accomplice of Harry Power, but that stigma of being the Bush Ranger's friend, young friend, uh stuck with Ned. So uh as we know, he went into work in the sawmills trying to, you know, um change people's opinions of him. Uh he's still a popular figure riding around with local kids. Uh you know, and they uh, formed a group known as the Great Mob and they were known to dress very flashily, uh, wear their hats with the chin strap under their nose to distinguish gang members or members of the group, uh, especially from far away distances as well. And uh, from there, the, po- the police, really that stigma of being the Bushrangers' cub stuck with Ned. So even when he was trying to, uh, go down the straight and narrow. Uh, that stigma followed him and he would be harassed by the police. And as you, as we know, that eventuated in uh, Alexander Fitzpatrick visiting the Kelly Homestead mm. one day um, to speak to Dan Kelly about some stolen cattle, uh, which resulted in an incident that set forth the great story that we all know today.
0: Yeah. Um, so there's, there's still a bit of, like, Speculation about what actually happened in the um with the Fitzpatrick incident, isn't there? Like it's everyone's got their own kind of story to it, kind yeah. of thing. So it's yeah, hard to do a accurate movie portrayal from um, that perspective.
1: That's exactly right, because uh in the end, the only truth behind that incident would be known by those people who were there. So yeah, uh all the information historians have looked at over the last hundred plus years, has pretty much been secondary evidence or yeah. um, first-hand accounts from those who were actually there, which does help paint the picture uh, that Fitzpatrick was there when he really shouldn't have been. So
0: um, so back with, because um, I love, I don't know what it is, but I love Harry Power. I just, he it just, it just seemed very, like, flamboyant almost. Yeah, um, the gentleman
1: Bushranger is one of yeah. my favourites too.
0: And I just, I love how he got captured, like with the flower bag and the, <laughs> the, being up on the thing with his, you know. Um, is it true that he spoke in the third person from time to time?
1: Uh, I, I, was, I believe so. I think he referred to himself as Old Harry. Yeah. Every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Especially during his time as a tour guide on the prison hulk success when that was converted yeah. into a floating museum.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I loved him. So,
2: um, well, the main thing that most
1: was... see a movie made about Harry Powell one day. So,
2: oh, yes, uh,
1: there is quite a bit of information out there, and his story is, uh, like the Ned Kelly story, it doesn't need uh, to be embellished to be exciting. The story is exciting. Uh, one story that comes to mind is, uh, Harry bailed up a fella, and the fella would not hand over his money by any means. So Harry told him, you know, make your peace with God and I'll go do the same. And by the, you know, Harry disappeared behind the wagon and story goes, um, you know, he prayed to heaven that he didn't have to shoot this man. And this man overheard him (laughs) praying to God. And when he walked back around the corner, this gentleman had his purse handed (laughs) out, ready and waiting for Harry Power.
2: Oh, I love, I love him. Um, Definitely put the fear of God on him. Yeah, <laughs> but the one thing—the one thing, uh, Steve—that Ned Kelly is obviously known well for is the armor, the, yes. the the famous armor, the impenetrable armor that most yep. people know about. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? How that came about, and and what what you think the thought process went into when he was trying to devise that? Obviously to protect himself from bullets from the police, but you know why the specific design.
1: Uh, th- there's quite a few different theories floating around on why he created the armour. Yep. Um, personally, I think the answer's right there, slapping everyone in the face. wasn't built for a gun battle. Um, around that time, you've got to remember, it was after jewelry robbery, and the sympathisers had just been rounded up and placed in the Beechworth Jail. So one of my theories is that the armour was created to make a raid on the Beechworth jail and release these um, sympathisers, the friends who were held for three months without charge, held on remand with the three months without charge until they were all all released. So therefore, the armour was being built at that time, not needed for the raid on the jail anymore. So Ned's plans uh, went towards his next town raid, which was going to... Uh, be Bonella.
2: yeah um
0: so i, I hadn't heard that before about the um because i knew this they locked the sympathizers up because basically you know let's let's do the wonderful thing of locking them up to you know deal with net or whatever but um just so you sort of touch on that a little bit and why they were getting locked up
1: um well the felons apprehension act was created to uh, which pretty much Considered Ned Kelly, his brother Dan Kelly, their friend, uh, their friends Joe Byrne and Steve Hart outlaws uh, after the incident at Stringy Bar Creek, where three police Victorian police officers were, were killed in a shootout with the gang. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result, the Felons Apprehension Act was introduced. Now, this was an a law that was created during the time of Ben Hall's um, bush ranging career, and it was designed to place these people outside of the law um, and that any person at any time could take that law then into their own hands and execute whoever um, the Felon's Apprehension Act was enacted upon. Now, uh, Beechworth Jail, uh, a small known fact is Beechworth Jail actually accumulated funds to create the... Um, metal gates that are still currently on the on the entrance to the jail um, specifically because of those sympathizers being arrested so at the time of their arrest there's wooden gates money was raised for the metal gates because it was feared that the kelly gang were going to make a raid on the betchworth jail yeah. and release uh, release their friends oh,
0: wow yeah um no
1: Sorry for that
0: shock, boys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's just like, it's fascinating because, you know, I've read a lot of books. Um, I never got through the Peter Fitz, Fitzsimmons one. I don't know why. Probably because it's like this it. thick. Yeah, he has a <laughs> habit yeah, of writing big books, one. doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but, oh, yeah, off the top of my head, um, the one that got released recently, Black Snake or whatever, the one by... Uh, the by, descend-
1: by Leo Kennedy, the descendant of Michael yeah. Kennedy.
0: Yeah, um, Yeah. because my dad read it and he's like, I don't know what to think. But, like, I feel like it was one-sided. Was it, was it a one-sided book?
1: Yeah. Watch uh, things out. Nothing against Leo. Uh, it's unfortunate that his knowledge regarding the whole story um, isn't as open or uh, he doesn't know an, as much as the story as what he probably does now before yeah. he embarked on writing that story. So um, obviously there's a lot of passion in the scenes surrounding the um, the death of his ancestor. So um, I do know that there are there are a few factual errors throughout the book. So hopefully future editions might correct that as well. Yeah. So.
0: Um. Yeah, cool. Um, so you know, I'm spitballing in my head again. Um, I want I wanted to touch on some of the bank robberies, I think, because that's they were very well thought out. Um, yes. Like, I mean, was, was, I don't think there was anything like that at that time in sense of... Yeah, um, well,
1: um, Ben Hall had raided the town of Canandra two separate times and held the town hostage, was a hostage for a few days where they partied and enjoyed you know, the festivities. Um, After this shooting at Stringybark Creek, um, I guess you could say Ned mentioned it in his final letter where he had heard or read about how the public at large, um, you know, execrated his name, spoke shit about him pretty much. Uh, And so after Stringybark, Obviously, the perception of Ned and his brother and friends would have that dark undertone related yeah. to murder. Uroa uh, was about changing that perception. So yeah. that's why the gang put on a show, a horseman yeah. show. Ned was courteous to everyone he came in contact with, uh, in particular the bank manager's wife. Um, and the general mood of that first robbery at Yoroa was... Uh, quite jovial, um as you know, Ned bailed up one of the uh one of the fellas uh, going out hunting and then claimed that that gentleman was Ned Kelly himself, you know um, <laughs> yeah. it, it was quite a jovial um quite a jovial style robbery yeah now when you fast forward to jewel it's more serious it's only a few months later, but they They want to be recognised as bush rangers by this time. So um, you've got them taking over the police station, dressing in the uniform. So that's to try and embarrass the New South Wales police. Um, They charged, you know, the shotting of the horses to the New South Wales uh, police (laughs) banking accounts. Um, All
0: right, uh, short technical glitch there, but we're back. So what were you saying? All right,
1: so uh as I was saying, the drillery robbery ned were uh ned and the boys were a lot more serious in their undertaking of that robbery um and they in turn left the New South Wales police and the townsfolk or a lot of the townsfolk fearful as well so yeah. um that's that there was a bit of a tide turning somewhere there along the lines so uh and as we know, not long after droolery, that's when the sympathisers were rounded up and going back to what I was saying before, um, the planning for the armour came to fruition.
2: Phil. Cool. Yeah, and then obviously another thing, is people like myself who are not as well-versed as yourself and uh, Jamie are about Ned Kelly, we know about the final siege, the last stand. So, yeah. you know, um, if you could just take us through, you know, the, the most, obviously you're the better person to get the, the accurate accurate yeah. description of what actually happened on that in that instance um
1: so that as i like to remind people the siege of glen rowan it wasn't planned to be a siege you've got to remember the gang had taken up the rails and they had held these people hostage in ann jones's hotel hoping that the train would go flying past glen rowan and off the rails um so their thought process behind that was to uh, as we know, after Ned's capture and his interviews in the Melbourne jail that and his letters, um, the final, you know, 12 letters that he wrote that the plans were to try and capture police, either survivors from the train wreck yeah. uh, and, and use them to negotiate the release of his mother and Ricky Williamson and Maggie's partner, Bill Skillion. and um, and negotiate a prisoner of war swap. So Ned was looking at his battle with the Victoria police more so as a war. So, and you've got to think, um, it 1880 in the 1860s. So during Ned's, you know, teenage years, you had the civil war happen happening in the United States, uh, and other, um, you had the Irish rebels who were standing up against the UK authorities as well. So um, it was a time in world history where rebellion, not republic, rebelling and rebellion uh, was at the forethought of a lot of these young gentlemen uh, who looked up to these people who they heard all these stories about.
0: Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I didn't realise because you know, I I watch Heath Ledger's movie, um, yeah, which wasn't historically <laughs> accurate. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what got me into the whole thing. And um, because I had, had friends, oh, it was well filmed. Yeah, um, and I think um, Heath Ledger nailed the portrayal. It's just the yeah. things that happened didn't happen. Like I had friends that were going through my DVD collection and go, oh, watch this. And I go, will you watch it? And I can tell you about all the things that <laughs> aren't accurate. <laughs> Like, yeah, no, um, that's right. Like, yeah. how many times he left actually left the battle? Um,
1: yeah, well, that's still up for speculation, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, um, cause, yeah, because the flare went up. Like, didn't do, do you have any theories about this flare that kind of went up? That,
1: ah, oh, the skyrockets, yeah, the skyrockets, uh, supposedly were, um. They're mentioned in the Royal Commission as being seen by two separate police officers and supposedly these rockets were sent off but nobody's really sure what the purpose of the rockets being set off was for. Yeah. Um, a few of the theories are it was to let the girls know in greater that the train had derailed and to come to Glen Rowan so they could all ride down to Benella together.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, another theory was that uh, it was set off uh, to bring the sympathizers riding into the town to join the battle. Yeah. But that theory doesn't hold weight with me because there was never supposed to be a battle at like Glen Rowan. That yeah. wasn't the plan. That's true. So, although the sympathizers were in the surrounding area, the plan was for them all to ride down to Benalla together, not to have a battle in Glen Rowan. So, um, and as we know, um, a few hours later after the, or just before the fire, uh, the Glen Rowan Inn was set on fire, you had Maggie Kelly and Kate Kelly, uh, Grace, Kate Lloyd, all appearing in these fine dressed clothing Scarborough hats and, you know, um, dressed like they were all going to the races. So, um, you know, begs the mind to think, what were they actually planning? Um, So something I came across not long ago in some separate research regarding one of these Irish rebels who was executed um, in England was that uh, skyrockets were supposed to be fired if the crowd had turned riotous. Mm. And so Mm. these skyrockets were to be fired into the air to bring the British military or the army into the square where these executions were taking place to, um, to control everybody. Hmm. Yeah, Despards, I, I believe his name is D E S P A R D S, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. the things you learn when you talk to Steve Jager. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, um, so, yeah, so we we know how it ends for Ned. Um, like, so the gang was killed in the basically in the shootout, and he was you know, somehow managed to survive that many bullet wounds. Was it like 28 bullet wounds to the arms and legs, kind of?
1: No, you're thinking of Ben Hall there. Now, 17 – I believe it's 17 separate wounds. In okay,
0: yeah. The dead
1: faced. 17. Mind you, that's not to mention the blood loss and falling yeah. unconscious as well. Yeah. Armour weighing near on 100 kilometres, uh, 100, km, 100
2: um, kilograms,
1: yeah. Yeah. and he still stood up and – with that military style bind, came around the back of the police. So, yeah, wow. yeah.
0: it was, yeah, very resilient man. Yeah. Um, as uh, you it, said, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cause he, cause it didn't he get hit like virtually as soon as he walked outside in the armor?
1: Yeah. And in, in the first, in the first volley from the police, you know, yeah. you've got Joe Burns' leg uh, going out from under him, broken. Uh, Ned uses the use of his left foot and his right arm. Or, yeah, and he loses his right arm, he can't shoot. That's at the very start. So um, in that final stand where he's got the armour and he's advancing on the police, a lot of the police reports talk about Ned's bullets were actually going straight down into the ground either in front of him or in front of the police. Yeah. Because he's shooting with his left hand, the amount of blood loss, and so as he's walking, the weight of the gun was pulling his hand out. Yeah. But he still got off a couple of shots that made the police, you know, jump and take cover, so.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to talk about some of the near like misses because surely they would have had like almost run-ins like where the police missed him by, you know, minutes or something like that. Um, Yeah, there was. Anyone stand out? Um,
1: Um, A couple of uh, Indigenous trackers from Melbourne, so this is before the Queensland trackers had come down, uh, were leading the police through a search of the Warby Ranges. The Indigenous came to the mouth of a gully and believed that they could see, smell smoke down the gully, Mm -hmm. um, asked the police to lead the way. The police told them to lead the way and they stood there at a stalemate, not wanting to go, and (laughs) they eventually took off and went back to Wangaratta. After Ned's capture, guess what? Ned was down that gully because (laughs) he, he ends up mentioning to one of the police officers Um, the brands of some of those horses and said that the police were that close on them that night, this particular night, that they had to stand there holding their horses at the ready to go. And they couldn't disappear. Otherwise it would have just brought too much attention to, to them being there. So that's how close the police actually got to capturing the game. say 50 to a hundred metres away.
2: Oh wow! Crazy talk about close, talk about near misses. <laughs> um, now, can we talk about the aftermath? So after this has all gone down, the the Glenn Rowan incident, um, and obviously you know the, the the brothers have lost their lives, and then Ned's obviously captured. Where do we go from there?
1: Um, you'll like this one. So <laughs> there were a, there are a number of sympathisers who were ready to take. Place, replace those gang members. Oh, wow. Um, if the, if Glenn Rowan, or oh, sorry, if Benella had been successful, um, a new gang would have come to fruition made up of people such as possibly Jim Kelly, Wild Wright, Tom Lloyd, Dick Hart, um, and others. Now, and then the gang, being the brains behind the operation, would disappear into the hills with the police to negotiate that swap. Uh, this didn't happen as we know. So um, after Glenn Rowan, um, the the police in particular, uh, a certain constable named Robert Graham pleaded with the recently released Mrs. Kelly to help uh, calm things down. And there were quite a number of meetings that happened throughout the district, which quelled uh, mm-hmm. another uprising, you know, um, from happening. Now, Following on from this, um, as you know, the world's first feature film being the story of the Kelly gang. Yep. And there were a number of productions, stage shows that had been created surrounding the Kelly story. Uh, Again, the police believed that this would create another bush ranging uprising here in uh, Victoria or New South Wales. So a ban was put in place on all types of bush ranger productions that lasted, I think, roughly from 1911 till 1929 and pretty much killed the Australian film industry. So with the story of the Galley Gang being the world's first feature film, there was a very, very good chance that Australia could have gone on uh, to be the world leaders of filmmaking, which now resides in Hollywood.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, so I'm not happy with Hollywood at the moment. So I really <laughs> wish it that. did. <laughs> I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like um, why do you think they like to embellish, like, these stories, with, you know, in the films mm-hmm. and, and that? It's just, like, the story itself is a movie, you know? And then they're like, oh, let's change this, let's change that.
1: I, I think it's um, armchair historians, researchers, uh, inexperienced, they don't understand the story, they don't know where to go looking, or they'll twist it to put their own spin on it. Yeah. Um, so, to try and create it more exciting now, as we know, Ned didn't have a girlfriend, which yeah. is depicted in the Ned Kelly uh, film. So, that's the directors, you know, um, mm. as they're playing with that historical, uh, oh, I forgot the wording of it, but. You know, it's them put, putting their own spin on the story pretty much to try and uh, get funding, I don't know, for the film or investors, you know, get better release, wider release, something that everyone can relate to. So,
2: But like you said, it, it's a story that doesn't need embellishing. It's, a, it's, no, a, it's an amazing story in its own. You know, it'd, it'd be just really good to have a completely accurate story. A, yeah, a, a, yeah, retelling of it.
0: Now, so those of you who are listening, um, I believe Murphy Holmes has a wonderful script already written. And uh, give us money, give I can give him money yes, and then it'll money. be done.
2: Yes, please.
0: <laughs> I've um,
1: read that script and it is phenomenal. Oh great.
0: Um it was but just I
1: can't, I can't say anymore as yeah, much yeah. as I want to tell you about that. But it's it, phenomenal. It, um it, if there are any investors listening out there it, We've got an opportunity in Australian history yeah. to finally tell a story the true way it's supposed to be yeah. depicted. Uh, jump on board, you won't regret it. Yeah,
2: definitely. And if that went to fruition and you could have another small part in one of his films, who would you want to play? Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh okay. I it it's because it's because it's been offered offered to you already if it gets
2: made. Okay, okay. I oh, will correct, definitely <laughs> correct. Uh,
1: <laughs> I do already have a role lined up for um if that film ever does get funding, but uh personally I can see something happening within the next 10 years. I'll right. probably be a bit too old by then. So, Jamie, it might be your chance.
0: Ah, <laughs> I, think, you I think I'm older than you, to be honest. <laughs> I, I look younger.
1: Um, we won't talk numbers here, mate.
0: <laughs> I I've um yeah, no, because every time Matthew Holmes makes a movie, I'm like, I'll be an extra. I'll be in the background. Yeah. Can't, ride a horse. Can't ride a horse, but I want to. Um, yeah. <laughs> um so let's let's yes. just uh quickly debunk some of these myths. There's always myths around Ned. So uh, I one of my favorites was um more more so about um was it Aaron and Dan whose bodies were burnt in the um in the fire itself? Like they couldn't Joe
1: uh, sorry, not Joe, Steve and Dan.
0: Steve and Dan, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um yeah, and like I think they said oh they, they escaped and swapped their bodies with um other people or whatever like didn't happen but it's kind of like a cool concept if you know what i mean
1: yeah so um if you remember or some of you out there in internet world might remember that there was an archaeological dig done in glen rowan back in 2008 yep uh and that was to find out the true uh layout of the original building to see if there was a uh an underground cellar where the gang where sorry, Dan and Steve could possibly have hidden out. Uh, and that revealed that there wasn't. So yeah. um yeah those stories are quite hurtful that, that you know that those gang members, if you've ever read Mrs. Kelly, um she was approached by Sydney journalist Brian Cookson and yeah. asked about her Dan her Dan, you know, um surviving and uh, if you ever get the opportunity to read her reply, it's absolutely heart-wrenching and you'd yeah. never question whether that ever happened or yeah. not. So, yeah.
0: But, uh, yeah, is there any other, other myths? Like, um, I know... Um, In the... Yeah,
1: there's a, there's a couple of Dan Kellys who have appeared over the years as well. Yeah. So um, following on with that, so it's not just one person who's claimed to be... You know Ned's surviving brother Dan Kelly. I think two or three. You know, that have have made those claims over the years.
0: Yeah. Um, so, is there any other myths surrounding Ned that that come to mind?
1: Um, uh, there was another theory. I think it was in the late '90s, possibly 1998 or 19, 1999. Uh, did Ned beat Noose? So was Dan Kelly executed in replace of Ned oh, Kelly? Man, yeah. yeah, not possible. Not <laughs> absolutely not possible. So uh, there's there's been other theories that um, Ned's remains were buried at the Williamstown football oval over mm-hmm. the other side of Portfield Bay. No substance to that theory whatsoever. Uh, yeah, so th- there are quite a number of misconceptions out there that can easily be um, verified with a bit of research.
0: Yeah. Um, is Do you have any theories? Because his head's skull's still missing, isn't it? Or is that a myth? <laughs> um,
1: I, well, I say technically because um, that's a piece of research. That, that's my specialty. That's the piece of research I've studied. Pretty much for over thirty years now, oh, so good. and it has uh, it has been um, acknowledged by supposedly previous owners of the skull that they did have it in their possession at one time in history, but no longer. Which I personally don't believe. So,
2: no. I've got I've got two questions for you, Steve, before we wrap it up. These are more yeah. geared towards, you know, um, you know, the account and everything. The first question is: if you had to pick the best piece of um, a book or articles or anything that would give the most accurate account of Ned's life, what yes. would you recommend?
1: Uh, Keith McMenamy's The uh, Complete Illustrated History of the Kelly Gang. Yeah, uh, I've got a copy right here.
0: Oh, awesome! Cool. He disappeared. <laughs> Magic.
1: So, uh, <laughs> there are two different versions that were released. So, this giant version oh, wow. was—that's uh, uh, the first edition, hard adi- hardcover edition—and uh, then this one is a later edition. So, and just cool. to give you viewers a quick glimpse, uh, very detailed images, photos, oh, oh, yeah. nice. stories.
0: I'll be sure to put them um, in the show notes too.
1: So, and a. a This book in particular goes into that finer detail, such as Ian Jones, the Kelly biographer, does as well. So, um, yeah, both McMenemy, um, Ian Jones, and there's another book, which I don't have in arm's reach, um, uh, by Professor John McQuilton, which talks about the uh, social makeup of the, and the political makeup of the, You know, Victoria
2: at the time of Kelly's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And the second part to that question is now we'll we'll turn to television and film depictions. What is your favourite representation from all time on film or TV of the Ned Kelly story? And part two is have you ever seen Reckless Kelly (laughs) with Yahoo series?
1: Reckless Kelly was... That that was awesome. That was the follow up <laughs> to Young Einstein. So you know, to to see an Australian uh, succeed in Hollywood against uh, against all odds, that was phenomenal. That's what yeah. gave me my passion for uh, and love for acting, and what wanted.
2: Oh, I'm glad made yeah.
1: me, wanted me to want to be an actor, you know, as well. On top of that, well, he's a redhead just like myself. <laughs> um, yeah. So and. Favorite depiction. People are going to scold me out there, but I absolutely love the Mick Jagger Ned Kelly film. As historically <laughs> inaccurate, as bad acting it, as it is, um, the soundtrack is bloody amazing, yep. Wyland Jennings. Uh, on top of that, you got the world's biggest rock star portraying one of the world's most famous outlaws. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, looking at the bigger picture, that bloke helped make Ned Kelly a household name. And yeah. that's what I love most about that film. Plus he wrote some bloody good songs while he's
2: in Australia filming that as well. So. Excellent. I didn't expect that answer. So that's, <laughs> I'm going to, I've never seen that one. I'm gonna, I've had seen pretty much all of them, but I'm going to have to go out and source that one.
1: Yeah. Next time you listen to Mick Jagger or Rolling Stone song, Brown Sugar. Yep. He wrote that here in Australia while wow, he was born Ned Kelly. so of oh, wow. he the same either.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Now, on a more serious note. Serious note. Um, <laughs> if you had a time machine, would you go back and give Ned Kelly Kevlar armor?
1: If I had a time machine, would I go back and give Ned Kelly armor? Like no, nah, like I think the, because of the butterfly. If the I butterfly back, effects yeah. are real, yeah. nah, nah. Nah. Just let history play out. Good answer. You know? As it's supposed to so you know we all live the life that we're supposed to be living now
0: that's a great answer. great answer great answer um so before we let you go um do you have anything you want to plug do you like a website you, you do or
1: yeah I, i'm working on another film at the moment with a sydney director or gusto garcia uh it's running title at the moment Terror. uh, uh Sarah Nullis, but it's the story of Burke and Wills. So, oh, wow. oh, we can get funding for that. Uh, a Burke and Wills remake um, told from an entirely different perspective from the indigenous side of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, hopefully, we can get funding and that movie will hit cinemas in the next few years.
2: Oh, great. Sweet. We'll keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Oh.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for coming on, Steve, and um, I'm sure to have you back on. We'll talk about you know other bush ranges and other historical historical things that um, you yes. probably know a lot about.
1: Yeah, no worries. Open any time, mate.